If we're going to be Jesus' disciples, then we have to be disciplined. We have to know how to discipline ourselves and let God discipline us. But the readings today are pretty emphatic and unambiguous about the urgency of really being Christ's disciples in order to get to heaven. It's been happening a few times in the past couple weeks. I was here two weeks ago, and there's a similar gospel warning us, warning us, inviting us to take seriously the message of the urgency of putting our life in order while we still have time in order to make sure that we can get there, that we can make it. The urgency of getting to heaven makes this the one all-important task, the task that merits all of my energy, all of my efforts. I have to begin to orient my life towards heaven and towards my eternity to do whatever it takes to get there, to not risk not getting there by being distracted or by forgetting about it. I think our difficulty is that we live lives that are very busy. You know, all of us have lives that are busy, even us priests and deacons. We have lives that are full of activities, and, and we don't really have a lot of time to think about, okay, what am I doing all this for? Where is all this going? But we have to take the time. Now's a good time, right now. This, this homily, this Mass, is a good time to reflect on how I'm directing my life towards that end, that goal. But as I said, this is all about discipline. It's all about uh, getting things in order. The second reading was about discipline. You know, it says that we, we undergo trials, and sometimes we receive discipline from someone who wants to discipline us, like a parent. Many of you are parents, and you know what it's like to have to discipline your kids. All of us were kids at one point, and most of us know what it's like to be disciplined, right? To every once in a while be, like, sent to our room to get in trouble. And at the moment, we don't like it. The letter of the Hebrews says that. You know, usually when you're being disciplined, you don't like it. But if you know that it comes from a father who loves you and cares about you and who's disciplining you for, for what's good, that it comes from a place of love, then we can allow ourselves to be trained by it. And it produces good fruits in our lives. It produces the fruits of righteousness, the letter says. So I was trying to think of a good example of what, what it means to live with discipline, what it means to be a disciple. We know those words are connected, right, etymologically. It's kind of obvious. Um, the example that came to mind was from Star Wars. You guys remember that famous, famous scene of Yoda training Luke Skywalker in the swamps of, I don't remember what that planet's called, right? Does anyone not know what scene I'm talking about? Maybe a few of you don't, right? It's Star Wars. It's really famous, okay? So Yoda is this little green monster creature thing, right? And he is a Jedi master. And he's training Luke, who is also a Jedi Master, but he's not very good at it yet, right? And Luke has to learn from him. So um, it's a story of someone being committed, committed to learning what he has to learn, to learning the ways of his master, who's willing to go through all the difficulties that are necessary, and who also has to do it with a lot of humility. He has to be able to recognize that he doesn't know everything and that he has to learn something. I think that's really what it means to be a disciple. So you just remember those scenes, you know, Yoda's training Luke, they're running through the swamp. Yoda makes Luke carry him on his back while he's like running through and doing flips and stuff, climbing up vines, swinging on the vines. 
And in the, in the meantime, he's whispering things into Luke's ear, wisdom about the force and stuff like that, you know? And, uh, and then there's a famous scene where he challenges Luke to try to use the force to pull this X-wing fighter out of the swamp, out of the water, you know? It's like bubbling in, in the swampy water stuff. And, uh, and Luke says, no, I can't do it, it's impossible. And he tries to convince him, he convinces him, and then Luke says, okay, I'll try. And Yoda says that famous line, uh, no, do or do not, there is no try, right? It's a famous line. So then he tries and he fails, right? Luke can't do it. It's like using the force, and the thing starts rising up out of the water, and then he gets weaker and it flows back down. And he says, you want the impossible, and he storms off. And then Yoda, Master Yoda, just closes his eyes and stretches out his hand. And the dramatic music starts, and uh, the X-wing fighter floats out of the water very slowly, and then over onto the land. Right, and Luke can't believe his eyes. That's a, that's a good example of what it means to be a disciple: someone who's committed, someone who has to put in all the effort, and who's going to do it with humility, who has to learn, who recognizes that he doesn't know everything that he needs to know in order to do it. And it's also the fact that he he has to recognize that. He can't even imagine what he'd be capable of if he learned from this master. And I think that's a great image for what it is to be a disciple of Jesus. Because Jesus has things in mind for us that we can't even imagine he would make us capable of in our spiritual life and in the spiritual realm. Um, sometimes I think we, we fall into this like passivism of seeing Jesus and being a follower of Jesus as just kind of like being his buddy, you know, being Jesus' friend. Instead of being a disciple, like being that kind of disciple, someone who's committed to learning, who's committed to studying under his master, who's committed to learning everything that the master has to teach him. Um, it means that we have to be decided to put in the work. You know, sometimes we fall into thinking, well, I've basically got this. I've got this being a Christian thing. You know, I finished all my catechism after all. I got confirmed. So what more is there to know, right? It's totally wrong. There is so much more for us to know. Um, I think that a good image of that is the, the lives of the saints. If you read the saints, you realize that God has much bigger dreams for us than we dream for ourselves. I think I've said that here before, but it's definitely true. God has much bigger ideas for us than, than we have for ourselves. Even just in our prayer life, there are experiences that are infinitely beyond what we can imagine. And, um, you know, like St. Teresa of Avila, she describes seven stages, seven uh, rooms in the interior castle that you can go through. And if you read the description of the first stage, very often people read that description and then they say, oh yeah, that pretty much describes me, you know? I'm fighting against sin in my life and it keeps on clinging to me and I'm trying to fight it off and get rid of it so that I can go and become more godly. And, but then, you know, I keep falling back and forth and, and I'm kind of stuck there, and, but I'm still struggling and I'm getting there, I think, right? That's the first stage. She has six more stages in the spiritual life once you get past that stage. We need to imagine getting there, and God wants us to get there. He wants to teach us so much more. Now, if you want to get to the seventh mansion of St. Teresa of Avila, there's a lot of studying that has to be done. And that's why I think that being a disciple of Jesus, and all of us are called to be disciples of Jesus, being a disciple of Jesus means being an assiduous student of all that he has to teach us. 
That's why uh, discipleship has to be lifelong. It has to be something that we're never really done until the day we die. We've got to be constantly studying, constantly trying to learn more, constantly trying to, to get closer to what God wants us to be. I have this image of like, I don't know if you guys ever knew when you were studying uh, a really nerdy person who was really into their subject of study to the point where it was kind of annoying, you know? And they would buy all the books, their shelf would be covered in, in books about that subject. Um, and they would listen to every teacher that they could listen to on the subject, right? Like someone who, who reads and listens to everything they can get their hands on about that topic. That's an assiduous student. That's someone who's a real disciple who really wants to learn. Like the kind of person who makes like tons of complicated summaries and puts them on their wall because they, they, they're trying to figure it out, right? I think Christianity is meant to be like that. I think that if we met Jesus' disciples as they were following him around and walking with him, sometimes we get little glimpses of this in the gospel. They're asking him questions. Jesus, explain this to us. We didn't really get it. Over and over again, Jesus teaching them so that they can start to understand the mystery and start to get into it more. Discipleship means being willing to put in all that work. And I think that we're called to that. I think that we're called to that. As I was praying through this and uh, reflecting on it, I realized that I'm preaching to myself here. You know, I've gone through periods of my life where I was a little bit more like that, where I wanted to know everything that God had to teach me, where I wanted to read more spiritual books, where I wanted to pray more often and put it into practice so that I could try more and, and discover more what he, was, what he was trying to say to me and grow more and more and more, you know? But we start to get passive after a little while. And he's calling us to be disciples. He's calling us to put more work into it than Luke Skywalker put into becoming a Jedi. Because this is more important than that. Being a disciple also requires sacrifice. It has to cost something. It has to cost something from us. You know what it's like when you get something that is really, really cheap, really inexpensive? Sometimes when you're looking for something that matters, you avoid things that are inexpensive, you know? Uh, the other day I was getting some hiking equipment uh, because after two weeks ago when I told the story of losing boots on a hiking trip, somebody wanted to buy me hiking equipment. So I went to the store and they had these poles for hiking, which I wanted to get. But the really good ones were too expensive, so I went for some cheap ones. But when you're buying something that matters, like a pair of good hiking poles, you, you don't want to get cheap ones. You want to get something that costs something. That's the way discipleship of Jesus is. It has to cost something. If following Jesus is just comfortable and doesn't require any sacrifice from us, then is it really worth something? I think that a good sign that we're living discipleship the way it's meant to be lived is when it requires sacrifice from us. And that's why I think the gospel talks about this narrow way, the narrow gate. When Jesus talks about the narrow gate, he's talking about a way that's hard, that requires sacrifice. So I went to the catechism to see... Um, what it says about the narrow way. And I think there are three, three ways that, that the Catechism talks about the narrow way. One is that the narrow way is the way into liturgy and into prayer. And in that sense, the narrow way is faith. The second is that the narrow way is charity. Right? It's narrow because um, it's sometimes it's hard to know where charity lies in the middle between, between uh, just letting things go when something's wrong or uh, standing up to fight against it and not fighting too much in a way that hurts. So finding the way of charity is narrow. It's hard to find. But the third way the Catechism speaks about the narrow way is the narrow way of the cross. And that's the most common way. 
of speaking about this narrow way. The way that Jesus invites us to follow him, our master and our teacher, the one that we're learning from, is the cross. It's the way of penance, the way of sacrifice. Taking this way is what requires this study, this effort, learning from our master. So I just want to wrap up looking at that master, that teacher. It's not Yoda, it's not anything like Yoda. Jesus is the teacher who shows us the narrow way of the cross and invites us to follow it courageously. Christ is the one who leads us on that way. What does he look like? He's the one who extends his hand to show us the way, and it's a hand that's covered in blood, in his own blood. His flesh is torn apart by scourging. His garments are soaked in blood and sweat and dust. And his shoulders are bent under the weight of a beam, the weight of the cross. And instead of pointing the way to us and saying, look, that's the narrow way, go there, he, he starts walking, and he walks on the narrow way of the cross. He's saying, I want you to follow me on this way. I want you to follow me and be my disciple. It's not going to be easy. It's going to cost you a lot. But precisely because it costs you so much, you'll know that it's worth so much. And it's a beautiful way. It's the way of charity. It's the way of sacrificing ourselves for others the way that he teaches us. He shows us that we're capable of infinitely more than we imagine, kind of like Luke Skywalker, capable of raising others, raising humanity out of the sin that they're stuck in, out of the mud of sin, by the power of sacrifice, the way Jesus did, the power of his own sacrifice. Today I pray that we ask Christ for that grace Lord, help us to be able to follow you, to work hard at becoming your disciples so that we can imitate you on your narrow way of the cross.